She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. Down, like the big downside exposure, yeah. right? Like so, licking doorknobs is off the table. So like, that's huge downside, right? Not not much upside, big downside. So we're not gonna lick doorknobs until the COVID's over, and then maybe still I won't. But. <laughs> psychedelic experience you know how it feels to try to talk about it later it never feels the same way that's my life trying to explain (laughs) the insight you learn a lot about yourself right gives you a chance to explore yourself and you know we're nerds about that yeah reflect about the reflection about the reflection (laughs) feel it think it Well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome! It's great to have you here. Do you think I should change this uh, this in- out intro? I feel like it's been here for two years, and I still like it. I don't really want to change it. I thought you were going to ask me if you should change your hair. Oh, no! <laughs> well, the answer's the same. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, welcome people. We're so happy to have you here. Today we have a really kind of really cool conversation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's on COVID. Uh, but hold your horses. I know a lot of us are tired about talking about COVID. Um, I think this conversation is really about how do we have conversations and how do we build bridges with people and what might there be to learn from that? Yeah. And we, so we talk about how, you know, this 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 whole COVID thing and, and some of the decisions around it often are really, really simplified, which makes it very polarizing. And there's a lot of nuance and depth underneath that. And we think, I think one of the steps to having better relationships in this COVID era is to understand and respect how difficult this this is, right? It's not just so as simple as A or B. It's, It's much more challenging than that. So we talk about that. And then we also talk about a few uh, polarities that are worth looking out for in Notably, conversations. thinking, feeling, and I know a lot of people who listen to us really like when we talk about the personality types aspect, and this is just one of the tools that we use in our relationship to have these difficult conversations, and I know you're going to really enjoy hearing about it. Yep, and stay tuned. In the outro, we share a coupon if you want to get your hands on some delicious, delicious. organic loving cacao the same stuff we drink every day we leave a discount code in the outro and you can uh, get your hands on some of that beautiful beautiful chocolate all right let's get into it let's get into it good morning all you far out people well bonjour everyone bonjour (laughs) (laughs) good good accent are you ready for this podcast julie roxanne I mean, it's it's we're recording this on a Monday morning. It's uh, I'm ready to rock and roll. This is going to be a good week. I got my warm cacao. Me too. Do you have yours, listener? Where's your cacao? Yeah. Uh, we you, where? Seriously, that that's part of the far out experience. All right. Well. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
everyone's got their cacao. We're every, ready to everyone's go. ready to go. Everyone, okay, everyone's accounted for. John, John, is John here? Okay, sorry. Um, what are, <laughs> do you want to read us? Or which would you choose? Yeah. So if you haven't listened to the last couple episodes <laughs> for Christmas, we got a little dinner table conversation starter, which is called "Which Would You Choose?" So let me ask you, listener, which would you choose? Adventures with wild horses or adventures with wild dolphins? Oh. This is tough. I, <laughs> I would go wild dolphins. Yeah, because that seems just pretty exotic. That's I, I, great. It would be, be awesome. Dolphins are super intelligent animals. I, I have a like short story, actually, because <laughs> with the adventures with wild horses. So these weren't wild horses, but it's about as wild as it's ever gotten for me. <laughs> I went down, I, I, I had never ridden a horse before, and I went down to Costa Rica to visit my, I have a couple friends from college that, that are, that live there, uh, they're Costa Rican, and the day I showed up, or maybe the second day, my, my buddy, is his name is Diego, and he's like, do you want to do the tope? I was like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, you want to do the tope. Like, it's this traditional thing. Everyone rides horses. It's basically a big party where you get on a horse and you ride for like 13 miles. And every so often you stop, get off, take shots and drink. And like, it's just like a parade the whole way, which tons of horses and stuff. And I was like, okay, all right, sign me up. So the day comes like a day or two later. And he's like, all right, man, well, have a good time. I was like, what, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm not going. And I was like, you're going with, I was going with my other friend and some other people that I didn't know. And he's like, yeah, man, I fell off a horse a couple of years ago, really fucked up my back. Not for, I'm not doing it again. I was like, dude, I've never been on a horse. You, what are you, you didn't tell me that before. So we went and we, we like, someone brought horses and we just picked a horse and, and I, I picked my horse. We took like four shots of cacique, which is this like cheap <laughs> white liquor that's that's well known in uh, Costa Rica. And then I got on my horse and we were walking up a cobbled stone street up a hill to where this thing was going to start. And the guy who brought the horses, the guy that knows the horses, he's walking. He's the second to last. He's I'm following him basically. Yeah. And everyone else is already walking up the street on the horses. And of course, like I'm, I just got taught how to handle a horse. Yeah. And, and you I'm, have four shots. And I have four well. shots. Uh-huh. And thank God, cause I was terrified, you know, like it, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Well, horses I'm, are. It's a gringo on a horse. Yeah. In Costa Rica. And, uh, and, and, the, and the guy, the guy whose horses it was is walking down the street. A truck comes down the other way. The horse panics, goes up on its rear legs, knocks the guy off the horse oh in the middle of the street and i'm behind and i'm like what the hell did i just sign up for this is terrifying oh my God. and and so then we finally so that happens then we get up to the like the starting point and it's basically like somewhere between i have no idea but it's like 500 to a thousand costa ricans on horses this is a completely local thing like <laughs> there's i am the only gringo on a horse as far as the eye can see and people know it they're looking at me and laughing at me I, because there everyone's out. yeah well everyone's na- like riding horses there is pretty natural yeah but, but like it's still something that's done <laughs> for me i've never done it and i look like a total buffoon and i'm i'm just i'm and, and we're in a sea of horses and I, obviously like you, you know it's hard to control a horse and so you're like losing your buddies and things like this and so the rest of the day we go through and we're we're literally just passing around flasks and drinking getting drunk 
<laughs> while riding a horse, and it's like walking because it's it's a huge party and parade and everything like that. So, right. so like you're not going at huge speeds or anything. But like I once got off my horse to go to the bathroom, and some and I have no idea where I am. Right. So. <laughs> And and almost lost everybody. My other friend did get lost. We didn't see him till the end. Uh, his horse he his horse just started running off at the beginning, and I just saw a dumb grin on his face because he was pretty drunk too. And we didn't see him again till the end. And and so, but what was really cool about this, and this is where it gets kind of more adventures and wild, was at the end of this thing all day we you know loud music parties and there's some pretty incredible stuff happening like people have there's a special trot that some of the horses can do oh, that's sweet. like that's like very regal and like very impressive and and you know people have dressed up their horses and like it's a huge party there's tons of people on the road just partying without the horses it's it's really really fun it's like a marathon on a horse <laughs> drinking so <laughs> It's a lot of fun, but it's also terrifying. A horse-a-thon? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I stick out like a sore thumb, and everyone's just, like, pointing and laughing most of the time at me. So we get to the end of it, and where we were going to give back the horses at some point, because that, that was the kind of deal. We'll give them to you here, and we'll pick them up on the other side yeah. somewhere. It's very cavalier. This is Costa Rica. So it's like there was no waiver sign. Yeah. You're like, hey, this, it's like, hey, take that horse and see you in, like, <laughs> 10 hours, you know, and... Don't get so drunk, you fall off. And <laughs> basic, basic rules. Yeah, basic. yeah. Rules everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we got to the other side, and there's this huge park, like fields, just open fields. And I was feeling pretty comfortable on my horse. Now we'd had some time together, and and also I was pretty brave from the the, the alcohol. And so, and this again, first time ever riding a horse. And so I started like galloping through I, I started getting them up to speed and we started galloping through the meadows and it's just wide open meadows and it's there, it's a park and so we i just start going full speed and using the reins and starting to see i felt like zelda you know i if you've ever played that game uh, zelda legend of the i forget what it what it is but legend like, of time or whatever. yeah something yeah, like that yeah, yeah. And like in your steering, there's a part of the game where like you just you're just going around on the horse. Oh. And so it was like that, and like I'd steer him, and we'd go this way, full gallop through these fields, and I did that for like an hour, blissed out of my mind. And then I understood why people have horses. It was the most freeing feeling I've ever had. It, or it was amazing, absolutely incredible. Um, and that's still the only time I've ever been on a horse. <laughs> so, so I'm guessing the, the the shorter version of of your answer is I've already had a wild adventure on a wild horse. So yeah, yeah, I feel that way. So I'm going to go with the dolphins <laughs> this time, and maybe a few less shots. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Whew, all right. Uh, were we? Is that the topic of today? Yeah, we're done. We're done. Okay. Thank, uh, thank you, everyone, roll for credits. listening. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we thought today we'd uh, talk about COVID. And I know, I know, you just, you're getting a little bummed out already. <laughs> we, we've had COVID for almost a year now. I was actually reflecting just a minute ago on this. It's like, oh, we're going to talk about this. It's like everyone already talked about it. Everyone considered it, it's a thing of the past. It's a thing of 2020. Everyone hopes 2021, we wouldn't have to talk about it. It's not a thing it. of the past because it, not, I think yeah. it points to un, an under underlying challenges that are pretty complex yes. and pretty difficult. And if we, I think it's worth exploring that because they show up everywhere in our lives all the time. Yeah. And COVID is just one that's really magnifying, I think, 
COVID is its own thing, but like it's magnifying other issues we have as individuals, as as groups, and as a society. And sometimes I think it's useful to have a traveler's perspective, mm. right? Because someone who's been outside of it for a long time and comes in and has a fresh impression. And in some ways, that's us. Because we, until not too long ago, were in Guatemala and COVID was there, but it wasn't like it is here. And we kind of came back to the hysteria of mm. the U.S. And also, we just launched into this life living in a truck camper where we're driving around. And we're also de- kind of depending on the generosity of our friends and and, you know, as as you do when you travel, yeah. you require the help and the hospitality of those on on the journey. That's yeah. that's a that's a one of the rich experiences of traveling. Yeah, is um, is that. And so that's been tricky um, because it's forced us to make a lot of decisions. First off, you and I together. Right. And and our views on COVID aren't exactly the same mm-hmm. and neither. And, and this is where it gets complicated because it's also our personalities are not the same. So we're obviously going to look at things differently our information feeds even though we're pretty close have not always have not been the same Mm -hmm. and uh and our history is not the same right so all these things make this even difficult to navigate between two people which we've discovered as we've gone on this journey is that there's different things where we feel like one of us might feel less comfortable Mm -hmm. or one of us might approach it differently and we've had to recognize that and, and talk about it when it comes up. And that's a skill. And it's actually difficult, even for us. And I feel like we spent difficult. a lot of work working on that. The other thing we've noticed is that, you know, that only gets amplified in a group. And then you have, like, the anxiety of fitting in with the group or at least not making waves. And then you also have the added complexity of you're multiplying the people you have to be in accord with, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And And then you have the real truth that what one person does in that group you know, if you're living together or if you're in close quarters, right, affects everyone, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. And no one has the same incentives. No one, I mean, that would, that's oversimplifying. It's not even the same incentives. It's not even the same personality or values. No one, no one, no one has the same information, really. No one has like, the same needs. Yeah. Too. Political views. It's, so it's, it's immensely complex. And we've found that it's been really, really challenging, even this far in, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's still a fresh problem, I think. And yeah. it's not one that really looks like it's going to go away. Even if COVID were to go away in a week, I don't think this problem underlying it is going away. Of how do we kind of communicate with each other? How do we share our beliefs and our values? And how do we live with each other? Yeah, I think two things on what you just said. The first one is, I think one of the reasons it's only really coming up for us right now and why we never felt the need to record a conversation about this topic before is because it wasn't a thing before. We were living already, like we were living as recluse people, like in, in Guatemala. And then we spent four months with your parents and that was pretty mellow. Like they had, like we, we seemed to, I mean, all that we go out for really ever, even outside this pandemic, is groceries. So it's not like it, our lives have changed. Our lives haven't changed. And that's an interesting observation because you and I are very introverted. Yeah. And so actually, I, I, I think this has been easier on us. It's been hard, but it's been easier on us in some ways than I would uh, with extroverts, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I, a lot of our lifestyle is not that impacted. Um, I don't, I don't tend to go out a lot. I don't mm-hmm. tend to be in large social groups. So, yeah. I think there is a, kind of a temptation to be like, yeah, it's not. 
it's not that hard. Just live this way, right? Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. It's, I think in some ways it's easier for us. Like right now we're living with a couple of our friends who are extroverts. And I can tell it's more difficult in some ways for them because their lifestyle, their natural life, the things that are important to them, there's, they have less access to that than I have access to the things that are important to me. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think uh, I also have found it like I don't enjoy when everything's closed down. Like I feel it. It's funny because even though I don't go out, <laughs> it's like, oh, I wish the restaurants were open. You know, it's I can't eat anything at the restaurants. My diet is so weird and complex. I can't go out to a restaurant and eat. But yet I just... I like that there. I like when things are open, and I and and I I feel that, and so I understand why. You know, I like we're in Texas right now, and everything's open, and like it's it. I under I feel that way where it's like, oh, nice. You know, things are people are going out doing things. It's great. It feels good for the soul. You know. It's also I remember when we were kind of in lockdown in Guatemala. Yeah, and it really helped psychologically, just to go outside to the market to see that the world wasn't on fire, Yeah. right? The, the, the people who are going about their lives, it reduces the anxiety because when we isolate, like I think our imaginations really get the best of us a lot of times. And so just seeing that the world is continuing to spin yeah. and revolve around the sun is really helpful psychologically. Yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing that, that you said that I wanted to add to is uh, the reason, like what we want to talk about today is not so much like the, I think the reason why this conversation is important to me is because COVID or politics or whatever, more and more we are being fed different informations to our like friends or family. And I see that over and over again. It's just people don't know how to communicate with each other because there is such a massive gap and you can feel it. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a gut, like it's a heart wrenching feeling when you talk to your best friend or your parents and you know that you don't know what they're seeing as far as news. And you don't you can only imagine, but you don't know. And and I think honestly, I think that the, the isolation and the lockdowns have really because we were stuck at home a lot more. We spent a lot more time online on Instagram and Facebook and all these platforms that are known to curate the type of feed that is going to make you respond a certain way. And so you think that you have the same information as your neighbor, but you actually have, oh, it's a world of difference. And that I think for someone who cares so deeply about connection, that is hard because Oftentimes what happens to me is I just like, I start talking to someone, I understand within seconds the kind of gap that there is between us and like how I, it's, I'm unable to bridge it. I don't know how to bridge that. Or if I do know, then it's going to be a lot of energy and effort and we both have be, have to be willing to bridge the gap. And, you know, if I'm talking to a random person that I, yeah. an acquaintance, I usually don't expend that type, that kind of energy to try to bridge the gap, yeah. but it's, it's really heart wrenching. And I think this this conversation is about how do we bridge the gap? Yes. And so one thing that might be useful is we've had to have some conversation. We've had to bridge our own gaps. Yeah. This. Ones we didn't realize were there until certain situations came up and one of us felt uncomfortable. And I think it's worth breaking down what's been successful for us and that just quickly to, sh to kind of 
at least give a bird's eye view of like what's involved with that. Because one thing I find frustrating going to what you're talking about, about the news and stuff is also this sense that like, you know, things get, it gets so simplified to mask or no mask. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or lockdown or no lockdown. Mm -hmm. And these are important questions, no doubt. Um, and we definitely have our own opinions on them. And we're going to try to keep that out of this yeah. conversation. But, but what I think is communicated by that, you know, you get the sense that it's two sides that both think they know. Right. And, and I think that's, I think we all find that pretty unappealing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's not that simple. And, and I think this, this like faux simplicity Mm -hmm. Of like, oh, it's just you. Either you wear a mask or you don't. It's that simple. And are you stupid? You yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's like this is so. There's so much more depth and and, and real uh, complexity to this that we're that that narrative um, ignores mm -hmm. and doesn't create space for. And I I think the first step to bridging the gap is recognizing that this is not a trivial like. This is not that simple of a question or, mm -hmm. or uh, this is not that simple of a challenge. Yeah. This is actually much more challenging and it's warranted and it's understandable that we're struggling with it so much. Like, I, I don't think we can be so cynical and just say, well, you know, we should have our shit together. And, and like it goes down to core problems mm -hmm. really quick. This is amplifying things that COVID or no COVID. I think we're already there. It's yeah. just kind of festering and waiting for a situation. So to kind of maybe outline some of where what I think the challenge is, is, for example, first off, like, in our when we were dealing with this personally, or when we do deal with this personally, yeah. is, is the first thing usually that happens is someone notices that they're not feeling comfortable about a particular situation, right? Yeah. Like, or about what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's usually confusing. Because mm -hmm. usually it's murky. You don't exactly know. It takes a little personal inner work to even maybe trace what it is, yeah. right? And there's always a tendency or, or often a tendency, if you're me, to put that that blame or that problem outward, right? Mm. And you're like, that's their, like, they're doing this to me or this is their problem, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I have to get past my own kind of projection on that and, and try to figure out, okay, what's going on? What am I uncomfortable about here? Is this something I need to share? And so there's a sense of, there's some self-awareness and self-monitoring that has to, that that we have to do before before anything else can happen. Otherwise, we're going to immediately point to somebody else and say, yeah. "You're doing that. This Which is, is you." Which is what often happens. Well, that's if you just just like the media. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like that's that seems to be the default. Yeah. So if you don't even realize, like, yeah, and and that's it, it seems to be the default. And and if we're really plugged into that, we can be completely blind to the fact that there's a maybe there are other options for how we can explore yeah. this as well yeah and one is like asking all right well what's what am i feeling mm -hmm. why am i like why do i think i'm feeling that or like what's coming up for me yeah are, what, are there core fears here is, it, often, is something being transgressed yeah and oftentimes it's like as you said it's like tracing it back because if, if let's say you're in a conversation with someone and there's a lot of things that are being said and then about 10 minutes into the conversation you realize you're feeling uncomfortable but it's not the last sentence they said, because usually it takes some time to realize you've been you you are uncomfortable. And so then it's like as the conversation is continuing to unfold, you have to pause, not 
react to the feeling of uncomfortable that you're feeling and try to re- try to trace back to okay what what was it? What was the particular texture? What was the particular sentence that was said that then created this? And what, it's not the sentence itself. It's what did the sentence conjure up in my mind? Like what images did I start getting? What are the, what is the story I'm telling about the sentence? And, and I think we've all had the experience recently. We visited, we, we have friends of all political kind of leanings and everything. And I've noticed with myself sometimes, sometimes this process you're talking about takes days, oh, yeah. right? Like, it takes a long time to work out. Yeah. Um, that's been true for me just recently. And I've also noticed that I'm very quick to want to label somebody. Mm. So it's like, oh, they probably vote for Trump. Oh, they probably anti, anti-vax. Da, 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 da. You know, yeah. like, there's these preformed buckets yeah. that I think uh, the media needs to take a lot of responsibility for creating, um, which are a lot of times pretty false because like in the anti quote unquote anti-vax world, most, most people who have, I think in that world that would be labeled anti-vax are not so much anti-vax as wait, there's some questions here that maybe we should explore and there aren't being asked. Like there, there's, there's a lot of skepticism. I know there's a lot of people in that world that from the outside are labeled anti-vax and from the inside are very uncomfortable with that label yeah. because that's like, that's extreme, right? Just anti-vax all the way. Of course yeah, yeah. there are some people like that, but there are people asking questions, and when I looked at those questions, like, okay, yeah, that's that's a pretty good question. Yeah, and so I think it's it quickly polarizes, and and I notice me wanting to do that too when I meet someone. It's like I'm putting them in in pigeonhole or like I'm pigeonholing them, yeah. right? Putting them in boxes, and and I think that's not a good po- way to start if you want to bridge any gaps, yeah. right? How I mean, it's like it's re- you know. <laughs> Something that keeps coming up is this idea of like what social, uh, how social media is also creating this this divide just by the the way the algorithm works. It's not so much that there's someone up there like be, behind a controller being like, I'm gonna make everyone hate each other and polarize everything. It's just like it just happens by the nature of how these things are built. And you, you were saying earlier like it boils, it gets boiled down to really you know mask or no masks, lockdown or no lockdown, and it, it's. It's like what what's difficult is that my feeling around this is that the problems are getting more complex, require more nuance, require more ability to hold contradictions. And yet they are filtered through a tiny screen that is basically making everything simple because it needs to fit in a certain amount of words. And it needs to be, it needs to fit in an image. It's very visual kind of attention grabbing. So it's like, to go back to what you were saying, this idea that you're quick to label people, I do the same thing because it's like, and a, a, a friend of ours, and he'll know who he is, was, was telling us that the other day. And it's so true. It's like, when I'm out walking and I'm not wearing a mask, I judge people who are out walking their dog alone and wearing a mask. But then if I'm, uh, and, and I know that they're looking kind of down on me because I'm not, I'm not doing it. But when I'm walking, I'm wearing a mask and I see someone who's not, I'm like, oh, well, man, you know. And so it's like, it's so weird to be so quick to label. Yeah. And I think as far as the information diet, I think that's like one of the underlying challenges. And Tristan Harris uh, has done a lot of really, really good work on this as far as if you if you want to plug more into that, and I highly recommend um, his new documentary, 
the social dilemma, 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 the social dilemma. I think that's what it's called. I think it's on Netflix. So yeah. if, if you haven't heard of that and you're interested in the role social media is playing in a lot of this stuff, that's a really great place to start. Um, it would definitely. Jared as, Lanier's book also. Is oh, yeah, great. Like 10 Lanier's reasons to book. delete your social media right now or something like that's that. That's a pretty deep, um, a deep argument. And, and like just easy to read. It's really good. We yeah. mentioned it on the podcast before. So. Yeah. So, okay, so we have to become aware. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of the first step. And then the second step is we have to be willing to enter into an uncomfortable conversation with somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And this is just interpersonally between two people. Yeah. And at that point, there's something else we have to do, which is, you know, a lot of these things start at the level of actions. Mm -hmm. But but that you can't, but if you argue, if you're going to have that conversation, it's like, You, there's nowhere to go. It's yeah. a dead end. And it's likely to lead to a fight or, or kind of separation. Yeah. So you have to go levels deeper than that. You, and, and what we found when we had to do, when we were doing this for ourselves around an action we didn't agree on was we have, you have to go down to the level of beliefs, mm. right? Because what is shaping your worldview? Yeah. And at that level, there's a skill that's really important here, which is having a healthy, disconnect from it right not not reacting mm. not reacting a, a, a sense of mindfulness yeah in the conversation because i don't want to argue with you about what your beliefs are at the like that's not the that's not beneficial for this mm -hmm. conversation it's going to actually uh make a, a wider divide but we need to explore each other's beliefs to understand what's informing those actions And if we don't do that, we're never going to understand why those actions are coming up, right? So we have to get down to the level of beliefs, and then we have to do the scary, hard, messy work of letting each other, first off, sharing our beliefs and, and taking that vulnerability, right? Yeah. And on the other side, I think the other side is even harder sometimes, which is listening with a healthy detachment, right? Because your job is like what... We, we, we want to understand. We're not trying to, I'm not trying to persuade or convince. And the second I, I start digging into your beliefs, you're going to, yeah. you're going to fortify. And, and so I think the magic here is if we put it on the proverbial table, right. And we can both kind of look at it. Yeah. That's a starting place, right? I can start to understand why your actions make sense from your point of view, instead of just looking at them as stupid yeah. from, from the point of view of actions, right? So we get down to beliefs and we're able to start understanding like, okay, well, if I believe that, then that actually makes a lot of sense. So, so there's also a sense of, okay, you're really trying to act in your best interest. Yes. Here, yeah. Right? And that's, that's really, that's a, mo that usually is a moment where there's a lot of relief for me and a lot of connection that can, that can actually stem from this because it's like, What is important to do at this stage, too, is recognizing that my beliefs are only beliefs and not the truth, which is like usually what happens. You know, we help we hold these beliefs so much that sometimes it gets really blurry. What's you know, if you hold them long enough, they become truths for you and and in your own world and in your own psyche and you start to build your life around them therefore they must be truth and they kind of become these pillars and so having a conversation and and if you come at it with my beliefs are the truth and your beliefs are only beliefs it's not going to work and so that's the hard part for me for instance is just having to 
accept that what I believe might not be the truth, or at least that. Or at least putting it to the side, yeah. putting the truth question with a capital yeah. T to the side, and recognizing that's not the aim of this conversation. The aim of this conversation is yes. understanding, bridging a gap, and figuring out how we can live whatever part of our lives we're trying to sort out in 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 together, or at least in a way that's you know harmonious. Yeah, and I think that's that's a. Uh, that can be really, really difficult because for a lot of people, truth with a capital T is one of the highest values that they hold. And so this idea of you just put it to the side for some people, that's unbearable. Well, it's it's not even just putting it aside. It's recognizing, hey, maybe I don't know the truth, right? Like maybe. Yeah, but for some people, that's unbearable. Yes, but that that's the work, though, right? Is yes. recognizing like having some uh, humility, right? Yeah. Like. So, being humble about the fact that I don't know everything and maybe I'm getting some of this stuff wrong. And maybe it's at least worth hearing out. And regardless, we're not here, to, you know, when we're having this type of conversation, we're not here to discover the truth. Yes. We're here to discover your truth and my truth so we can figure out how how that informs our actions. Because when we put this stuff on the table, we can start looking at it, right? And we can start generating consensus yeah. a good place to start here is what do we both agree on right in fact that's exactly where we started yeah. and as simple in the case of like covid is saying okay we both agree covid is a thing mm. that warrants some sort of response and respect and we had to start there yeah like that really is where we had to start the conversation and there's a common you know this isn't sales but sales techniques tend, tend to be very useful in a lot of areas but there's a sense of, you know, when you're in these kind of conversations, you want to get to common ground where you can both be saying yes together, right? It makes the next yes easier. Mm-hmm. So starting at the most simple foundation, which might seem obvious, is is worthwhile. It gets you on but the thing is, it, it, it's not always obvious. Oh, I, like, I, I, that's I, I where know, you need to start. Like, yeah. in between, like, between the two of us, we already knew that this was a common ground, but, like, depending on who you're talking to, like, this is where you need to start. Then you can start at the common ground of, do we want to have some sort of relationship together at this time, right? And I actually think that's a really good question. Yes. Because we're not recommending you do this with everybody. It takes way too much energy, oh, geez, right? Yes. Like, so, so there has to be a sense that this is a, this is a relationship that's important and worthwhile. And we want to figure out, we want to come to some sort of accord. You know, you, yeah. this isn't, you know, you, you don't need to do this with everyone on the street. I mean, and, and there's this healthy sense of discernment that's necessary, especially with COVID. And I think COVID's making this really tough is that, and this is where I keep coming back to developing or, or accessing that ability to not take things personally, because these kind of conversations that are super messy require that we don't re- react, right? And that we don't take what someone's saying personally yeah. as an affront to our truth or whatever. Mm-hmm. We have to find a way to start approaching this from a neutral place. And I think uh, different mindfulness practices are extraordinarily helpful with this. But unfortunately, it's definitely a skill to be developed. And I think one thing COVID's outlining is that most of us don't have this skill or most of us are, are it, it's lacking Yeah. Um, to say that. The, the, the potential's there, but it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not... It, it, it's lacking because because there are going to be situations where maybe because of what's happening, we can't live with someone or we can't be with them, right? For whatever reason, it doesn't mean we don't love them or care about them, but our lifestyles or our set of values are 
are just because of COVID juxtapositioned in a way where we can't both meet our needs, our core needs. Yeah. And that's a really difficult conversation to have and, or, or to get to, right. And it, like, it would, it would, I, I don't know how often I'd get there in mm-hmm. those situations, but I think it's about like, there's a sense of personal responsibility we have to take. We're like, okay, let's explore this together. Let's try and let's figure out if we have some common ground or how we can live together. Of course, there's the situations where you have to live together, yeah. right? And that's really difficult. Um, and I still think that that those situations will benefit from this kind of approach. But I, I understand that that maybe, you know, it's not always so voluntary in those situations. Yeah, well, there's there's something else to be said around that because... So just going back to what you were saying earlier about this idea of like, okay, let's for now, let's not try to get at the truth with a capital T. Let's just be here to find common ground and consensus and, and, and how that translates into action. And I think maybe more than other people, maybe less, I have no idea, but uh, f- figuring out truth with a capital T can feel very important for me at times. Like I, I, there are parts of me that are very attached to finding truth. While some other parts of me are like, oh, I don't, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like what, what matters is connection. And, and so it's more important to find common ground and not try to be right. Cause I don't care about being right. I care about being in harmonious relationships. And so that's, that's kind of the value I tap into when there's a part of me that's like, Oh no, we need to find the truth. We need to all agree on this one capital T truth. Well, I can tap into this. No, what's more important is connection right now. And, and I can, I can hold like that. That needs to be the priority. And it seems like from kind of my experience with you and, and, and also what you just said, for you, there's a sense of yet connection is the value that you can tap into as well to like kind of not worry so much about the truth part. But it's also uh, there's a sense for you of like efficiency or like trying to find a course of action, a principle so that we don't have to constantly think about it and try to reinvent the wheel every time. Let's just do it once, find like the core and and then it gets easier. And what you're outlining, I think, is useful for us to to maybe spend a little bit more time with, because what you're kind of outlining is what I would call the thinking feeling uh, divide. Right. So in personality type. There, there are thinkers and there are feelers. And this has been talked about in a lot of different... I'm, men are from Ve- Mars. Mars. Women are from Venus is another version of this, I think. Yeah. There's plenty of these, right? Women tend to be feelers and, and men tend to be thinkers. And, and let's define those terms really quickly, at least in the way we're going to use them right now. Thinking tends to be more... Um, less. It's not people-focused. It's more things-oriented. It's more focused on finding truth or principles or universally universal principles mm-hmm. or things. Systematic ways of approaching things. And it's, it's more apt to think about things through logic or mm-hmm. that's, that is its mode actually. And so if this, then that, and so statistics and, and numbers and things like that, and it's a little depersonalized mm-hmm. it, and it's looking for one way to deal with all situations in a way. Feeling on the other hand, um, which first off I'll say is just as valid a way of approaching the world and making decisions in, in this context that we're exploring it mm-hmm. uh, is about yes or no, kind of. It's it's about valuing things mm-hmm. and greater worse, you know what I mean? And, and so it's a hierarchy of values, which can also get very nuanced, but it's not working through logic as much as it's working through the sense of that's better, that's worse. Yes. Uh, the, 
And so it's a lot harder as a feeler. Uh, it's a lot harder to explain the way that I came to a conclusion. Whereas Alistair can pretty much, if he thinks about it for long enough, he can put together a PowerPoint of how he came to a conclusion. And I can something. express it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and feeling tends to be much more people oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, commonly, will take into account personal situations and and that kind of thing. So. Neither of these have to do with emotions. Both can feel emotional, but yeah. it's a way of making judgments. And base COVID is, you know, presenting, requiring, requiring judgment. And, and so judgment, this thinking yeah. feeling divide can be worth keeping in mind, um, particularly you are a feeler, I'm a thinker. And I also feel really important that you, you, I mean, you. I know you said the majority of men are thinkers, the majority of women are feelers. That's true. But the other, like, yeah, just men you're a can man be feelers yeah. and women can Absolutely. be thinkers and, and it doesn't have, it's just in general. There's a correlation. There's, a, there's a strong correlation. That's all. That's all. And so it's worth keeping these two in, in mind because they're going to they're gonna be concerned about different things. Yeah. For, for example, the way I tend to approach thinking about COVID is I want to minimize, like, first off, I think it's a thing. So there's that. And then my feeling is, okay, well. I'm going to take calculated risks. That's the language of a thinker Mm -hmm. right there. And I'm going to, you know, with whatever my value structure is, so not all thinkers are going to approach this the same. But this is a general tendency. I think that might a lot of thinkers might resonate with, which is, okay, so I'm going to take calculated risk. I'm going to try to minimize risk I don't want that's not worth taking. And, like, maybe kind of cut off my my down like the big downside exposure right yeah. like so licking doorknobs is off the table it's like, <laughs> that's huge downside right not not much upside big downside <laughs> so i'm not gonna look doorknobs until the covid's over and then maybe still i won't but <laughs> right um and 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 i'll think about it that way on both sides like i okay but on the other side i i don't want to i don't want to cut off all upside Right. Mm -hmm. So so there's some risk I'm willing to take because it's it's worth it to me. Yeah. And and I tend to think about this in like kind of numbers ways. So, you know, where we are in the world and 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 how much COVID is affecting that area. I keep that in mind. And I'm thinking of everything through kind of risk management. I kind of imagine that you have a lot of pie charts in your mind. Do you? I think they're more like bar charts and like Uh, percentages and like different colors and like things are moving around. But I'm always kind of assessing what I think my exposure is and what am I, and of course it's imperfect. I don't think these are, but I think they're useful models. Yes. Right. And so like certain things like washing my hands and wearing a mask, like, yeah, that probably is absolute. That's that worth doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to minimize certain risks that, that would be otherwise huge and intolerable for me. Yeah, yeah. Worth doing. Um, staying at home all the time in my room until this is over. Like that's too much. Mm. So, yeah, there's a lot of numbers going on and there's a lot of kind of sizing it up. Yeah, and and I mean, I think this is this is really important to outline how a thinker thinks about this because in our own conversation, which I have to say here, was surprisingly difficult. And I think that that is something I just want to say is when we had these conversations a few weeks ago and, and we've been thinking about how to approach this topic and talk about it on the podcast ever since, we spend all of our time together. We are extremely in love. We are, you know, like we ha- we share a lot of the same values. We we are a great match on a, in a lot of ways. And yet 
that conversation was excruciatingly painful and difficult to have. And so you have to wonder, like, how are we, like, if peop- if two people like us are having such a hard time with the skill set and the common ground that we share to have a conversation, how can we expect an extremely divided country, for instance, with no skills at mindfulness, except, it, 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 and it's like a, a giant group. So how do you apply mindfulness to this? Like, and, and that's why, and that's, that's what we were saying earlier, is like, this is a much more difficult problem than I feel like a lot of the narrative is giving credit for and until we're going to have respect for that problem as well as the virus how far are we going to get we're not realizing what the problem is it's not just the virus it's our inability to communicate and and of, of course maybe that's pointed out at a superficial level but these are difficult skills to cultivate and, it, and it, it's always hard to go into a conversation like this. Yeah. It's never the thing you want to do. I always feel to some degree I'm getting pulled in, kicking and screaming, you know, yeah. or you have to like, kind of steal yourself up for it. Yeah. I think, going, you know, highlighting the thinking thing, there's blind spots to the thinking way, right? Particularly because usually thinker, in, in the way I'm thinking about it, thinking and feeling are opposites. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing one, you're not doing the other. Mm-hmm. And in my case, uh, my blind my blind spot when I th- approach COVID by the numbers and statistically and managing risk and stuff is is the feeling aspect and is particularly the personal aspect, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe you could talk a bit about that because this is an area that I tend to uh, just out of my personality type undervalue, which yeah. doesn't mean that it's not a reality and it's not important. And I think thinking is also the general aversion of thing. I don't think it's particularly healthy thinking a lot of times, but a, lot, a version of of the narrative we tend to hear in the mainstream through journalism, through through the news and things like that, tends to be more of a thinking approach. Oh, totally. But but we have to recognize that like we have to be careful when it's with these things that we don't over identify with like thinking as like the only way. There are other ways, and one yeah. of them is feeling, and that's one where I just as a personality systematically systematically tend to not give as much weight to yeah and i think well that's i think that's a great place for me to talk about it because i think as you said the narrative the mainstream narrative tends to be more thinking even though you you said it very well like feeling and thinking are both like similarly valid way of of approaching making judgments like they're both valid in the same way but and that's like the the bane of being a feeler in a in a society that values thinking a lot more is that uh, because I have no way of putting together a PowerPoint of how I came to my decisions and my judgment and my like my own personal discernment, uh, it's not as valued and like it, it's not it's not looked as something to take into account. But I do think um, you, as, you can't like build like it's hard to make the. St- the numbers argument that you can make yeah. as a thinker around there is, oh, there's there this is many no number argument. Many... Like there, I mean, I, I no, see... no, I don't think that's true. I think there could be ways to get at it. Yes, I think... I, actually, I was going to say that because I think there is a lot of like feelers who are trying to, for example, like showing the increase in depression. Yes, right? exactly. Like... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I, I will. I will. I will uh, agree with that. But I think so. <laughs> A feel like my my own way of thinking about it tends to be more. I'm very. I'm. I find myself sometimes 
debilitated or like, like sometimes I find myself just unable to hold those thinking aspects and the numbers and the data and the hard truth and stuff like that. Like that feels very difficult for me to hold. And the way that I'm, I'm thinking about it is that that is actually, it's like my thinking function is available, but it's very immature. It's not as developed as my feeling function. And therefore Sometimes I hear you say things and present arguments that make so much sense, but I can only like I can only agree, but I can never remember or or like say it again later. You know, like I I can't I can't make that that road of thinking of logical thinking that you just did with like you saw these numbers and then you made these calculations and then boof makes sense. It's like I have a command center in the back of my head that's just kind of always running. Yeah, you know, yeah. Almost a little effortlessly. Yeah, it, and that's like, sometimes it feels very intimidating, but I think I appreciate it because in our relationship, I feel like you value my feeling a lot and you value my ability to feel a lot. And so I can't speak for all feelers, but I think my my general approach to to like COVID and the courses of actions is for me, it's a lot more people oriented. It's a lot more uh, connection oriented. There's also a strong sense of uh, my own personal freedom to act within my own personal values. Like there's a strong sense of like, it's very sacred, like what I believe. And so that's also why those conversations about talking about what we believe is really hard because I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Like that's mine. That's like, that is, that belongs inside. I, there's no reason for it to be out. And the reason for that is because those beliefs are so like strong and they vibrate. Like for instance, when like, I don't, I can't really form words around it, but I value human connection so goddamn much like there is a that is like the most important thing and like in person feeling touching like hugging you know like laughing like I I that is I can only see images but it's filled with like golden colors and like that's almost the most important thing and so um there is like a there is like a it's difficult to voice these be these beliefs because they feel so sacred and they also feel like as soon as I talk about them, they lose the power that they have inside. Mm. And the only way I can associate, like I can describe it is like, if you've ever had a psychedelic experience, you know how it feels to try to talk about it later. It mm -hmm. never feels the same way. That's my life. <laughs> Trying to explain the inside of like the, the intensity with which I believe and feel certain things. It, it, it It's ineffable. And so, but, but the feeling aspect definitely cares about people. And I think also cares about downsides that the data and the logic and the thinking cannot hold all the time. And I think that's why I feel like we are such a good team because we both value each other. We don't try to like approach it from like an, an antagonistic perspective where I have to be right or you have to be right. Or we're trying to build a, a sort of a, a, a policy or world vision that can be shared by both of us and that I think is a lot more balanced than if I were to, you know, be do my own thing or you were to do your own thing. I think an example that might help bring this to light for people is imagine a business, right? And you have two business partners and one of them takes care of the books mm -hmm. and one of them takes care of the people aspects, like dealing relationships, right? Like kind of mm -hmm. nurturing those, cultivating those and those 
those are both important parts of the business. If you're missing one or the other, right? Like your business is going to suffer or maybe not, or, or maybe fail. Right. Yeah. And they, they can both be really, really helpful, but there are different areas of the business. And some people are going to be more suited for one and some people are going to be more suited to pay attention to the other. Yeah. But there's the risk of, and I think people who work in corporations or large organizations know this risk of overvaluing a department as yeah. it being the only one. Yeah. And whenever a company gets like that, then it's in trouble too, it's right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we I, th- I think what we're talking about is valuing each one of these departments and recognizing they're all looking at different parts that are important. Yeah. They're not supreme. They're all important and they kind of work together. And so if you just take a thinking narrative where you're just looking at the numbers and you're just thinking about risk, you're not thinking about people. You're not thinking about the, the, the old woman who's living at the, the the retirement home who hasn't seen anyone for three months mm-hmm. and is like slow and, and this is the end of her life. Yeah. You know, like you don't, a thinker, like the thinking aspect can't take that into a universal principle about how to deal with that unless he comes up with a principle for dealing with old women at the end of their life. Who <laughs> with, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't deal with the actual person in some yeah. ways. That is one of the blind spots of a thinking approach. Yeah. And it's one of the gems of, the, of a feeling type is that they are able to make exceptions and think about the person and think about different aspects that are not going to come up in a TPS report, yeah. you know? And, and I think, so this polarity, you, you know, is, is worth thinking about because some of us are going to be more on one side of the spectrum and more on, than the other. And I, I think if we're aware that it's there, we can listen for it a little bit more and recognize, oh, you might, you might be paying attention to a different aspect of the spectrum. That's also important, yeah. right? Instead of thinking that's not as important as what I think is important. That's being kind of overinflated or over-identifying with one approach to a world that is multivalent mm-hmm. and has a lot of different dimensions and a lot of different things. And I think it's an act of hubris, honestly, and usually an act of ignorance of not realizing that, that there's, there's other ways to look at this world or other things that might be important to other people. Yeah. So it's a lack of um, empathy sometimes as well, but ha- starting to be aware of this when we get into these kind of conversations, oh, yeah. we can listen for them and we can start to say, okay, are you more on the feeling side or the thinking side? Because the feeling side is going to be more concerned or threatened by particular parts, like the lack of connection, yeah. right? Like by lockdown, by, you know, not being able to go hug a friend yeah. or these visit family, whatever, right? The thinking side, you know, I'm not saying thinkers aren't going to be affected by these yeah, things yeah, yeah. by any means, but... The, the thinking side might be more concerned about general risk levels, about the percentage of people that are in the ICUs in their particular neighborhood and and by the rates of transmission. And, and we... Here, yeah. And here's another, here's, as you're talking, I'm just like, here's another thing that c- gets hard for feelers is that for a thinker, if they're looking at data and, and, and logic, and then you throw in a little bit of doubt or you, you know, like they, they, like, that some numbers seem to be contradicting each other, it's it's not going to like totally sway the thinker. It's still going to be able to hold a certain course of thinking based on, you know, what's left, what seems to remain true or at least, you know, 90% At least a healthy true. thinker. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a good point. Thank you, because there are unhealthy thinkers for sure and unhealthy feelers as well. Damn sure. But um, what I find extremely difficult for myself is... I cannot, which is why I'm so glad that you're in my life and that you actually pay attention to these things because I will get, 
absolutely overwhelmed if I start to look at numbers and try to like look at information and logical information out there because the first I will be tempted to say, okay, that I read this, so it must be true. And I'm going to have a hard time doing the deeper research to figure out if that's true. And as soon as I do that, usually I have to hold contradicting information. And then and then you show you see an, a number from a, tr- a source that you kind of trust because your feeling told you you could trust that source. And it turns out they're contradicting the other numbers that you just saw. And then what happens to me is I drop into nihilism and I stop believing any numbers and any data. And then I have to solely rely on my feeling kind of assessments, which are not a good overview of the whole picture. Like there are, they are flawed. They're not, they're not showing me the whole, the whole thing. And so that's, that's what gets really hard is that I, I, I can't I can't look at numbers because they don't after a while they stop making sense. And after a while, I stop believing. And then I, I drop into this nihilistic tendency. I think the way I'm thinking about this is that I have this like adult feeling function that is developed and knows what knows what it means to feel and is able to hold all the nuances. And I have this like little toddler thinking function. And so sometimes the thinking, the toddler's thinking function is like, all right, I'm going to try to take in some data and like understand every, like understand the number side of it and think about it from a detached place. And so the thing is, it's only able to understand a certain amount. And then when nuances or doubts get thrown in there, the toddler, infantile. yeah. And then, yeah. The, and then it's like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. I haven't been yeah. trained. And then the feeler function, all adult comes around and be like, this is bullshit. <laughs> all of it. I will take, I will take it over from there. Don't worry about this. And then what happens is, it gets kind of overinflated and then I fall into this, you can only ever trust your feelings yeah, because true. everything else out there is wrong and I can't trust any source to give me the right information. Yeah, And then I don't believe in anything. And what, what I want to say here is that I love that I'm a feeler. I think I'm a great feeler. And I think the reason I'm a great feeler is because I strive to become a more well-rounded person and that includes like accepting that I have like an, a more immature thinking function and try to incorporate that in my life because I don't want to like say, oh, I'm only a feeler. I have no access to this. That's not true. I do. But it's like, how do I piece together a balanced personality? And there's and, and balance. Balance doesn't mean that they're both like at the same level. Totally. Right? It, it, but it means that you have you have some access to both. And also, I think it means recognizing where your strengths and yes. your and your weaknesses slash blind spots are likely to be. Yes. And and watching for kind of when the feeling function over dominates, yes. right? Or when the thinking function has one of his kind of infantile eruptions yes. or, or fits. Um that is to me a sense of psychological maturity is is kind of recognizing the landscape of of, of our own mind or, or at least of our own personality. Yeah. And and the same exact thing can be said for um, one people who prefer thinking mm-hmm. versus feeling, right? Except for the roles are going to be switched. For me, like my thinking might come in with numbers. I might get into a personal situation with people I care about, where like I really struggle 
right, with what I see as the numbers, but then there's this personal situation and I have a hard time actually relating it, you know, or communicating it. I can come off like really harsh Mm -hmm. or rigid in in my way of thinking about it because I'm thinking about the numbers and I'm a little overwhelmed by the actual personal situation where there's clearly I have feelings involved and there's other things going on, but it doesn't fit my logical analysis of what I should do. Yeah. Um, And, and so I think we all have different challenges around this, but very beneficial. And I think we all want to approach it in a balanced way. We, we want to have a society where feeling and thinking is valued and where both their gifts are brought to the table, right? Yeah. And we want to, I, we have to approach COVID from both sides because one is going to be, if you, if you just approach it from one side the same way as in a personality, it's extraordinarily unhealthy and it leaves a lot missing, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is the thinking feeling polarity. And I think it's one that's really important with COVID and like getting back to this conversation you and I were having, Mm -hmm. something starts to happen. You might notice as we talk about this is one, you learn a lot about yourself, right? It gives you a chance to explore yourself. And you know, we're nerds about that. So of course this ends up being about about the reflection about the reflection. (laughs) Feel it. (laughs) Think it. You got lost there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So there's self knowledge aspect. So that that juices us. But there's also the learning about the other person, right? It, and that's the thing. If if we're really going to try to cohabitate, we have to understand or learn the other person. You never know. You might learn something new, you know, or you might realize there are holes in your perspective, or there are other ways to look at it. And I think a lot of us actively are trying not to have that realization that's what i was gonna say that's one of the reasons this conversation these types of conversations are so hard is because uh you want to believe that you figured it out because if you haven't then fuck Mm, you know like well shit like the world's going on virus is a threat and you don't know right Yeah, yeah, yeah and and so i think this gets actually to a second thing, but before I before I go there, there's another thing about this. So we get to learn about each other, and and then also learn about the different ways we approach the world. Connection, love, yeah, yay, <laughs> yeah. But something beautiful often can happen when you get into these kind of tender spaces with someone where both people have let down their guards, right? And it's no longer a battle of will or a battle of capital T truth or a battle of beliefs or whatever, right? Is that when you stop? doing and I'm, I'm hitting my fists together when you're when you stop coming at loggerheads with each other right yeah you can start to relate in a different way and it can be really expansive and it can be really there it can be really rich oh dude there's so much potential for like there's so much potential things can like what felt like insoluble issues can all of a sudden turn and fit in in different ways like yeah it things just open up unlock it's it's hard to explain but uh, it opens. That's a bit, that's a, and a then part. it, like, it's not just that it opens. It's like all of a sudden something blooms too, right? Something's like, there that something, maybe wasn't there yeah. before. And you have a better understanding of each other. And, and, you know, I talk about this. I used to talk about this a lot as a general manager for a business. It's like these problems are the ones that you want to lean into the most. Where you have that really bad problem with a client mm-hmm. or an employee where, like, there's major misunderstandings and there's a lot like there's the resistance. You don't want to go there. Yeah. You want to like suppress it. That's exactly where you want to go as a general manager. At least. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're trying to improve the business, that's where your business system is failing. Yeah. That's where you're not, you're not, you're not doing it right. Or you, there's just something to be learned. Yeah. And those, those situations are always extraordinarily difficult. Right. And it's scary to go into them partly because you have to be vulnerable. Right. If you go into it with a client, you're not going to get anywhere. If you're not open 
to some degree, because otherwise the client's going to think, oh, he's just going to try to get me to concede, right? Yeah. And if you got to go in with curiosity, mm-hmm. uh, and, and if you're able to do that, you can end up coming out with a with a client that's more loyal to you, right? That's more willing to stay through thick and thin with you yeah. because you, your, your relationship has transformed or it's grown, yeah. right? So this is actually often the way, or you might come up with an insight about a business process that's, that's, that's been failing a lot and you're only aware of it one out of 10 times. All sorts of these, this is where the real like business development would used to happen in, in our business and still does in our businesses. That's yeah. always a, it's the way, place you don't want to look that tends to be the most fruitful um, when, when you're working on a business. And needless to say, but I'm going to say it any, anyways, like this is totally translatable to just your personal life. Like ever, like you said, as a, you you emphasize that this was as a general no, manager, if you want to an, improve that, your business, yeah, but it's example. like as a human being who wants to improve your life, no, same deal. Same, same deal. Same, same deal. deal. And and one thing that comes to light a lot of times when the space feels safe for both sides, right? And it takes some time to get there. It's hard, and it might be a bumpy ride for a little while, but. We all know what it feels like when, when we get into a conversation where it feels safe to finally let down our guard and actually share what's going on, right? Yeah. And that can be really healing. And also, a lot of times, fears can come up. We can share fears a little bit more openly, right? Like, they can come maybe that we're not even aware of until that moment, yeah. right? And a lot of times, I, I know how my feelings been when I hear those fears shared. It's like there's like kind of a melting mm. almost, like... Oh man, like I have that fear too sometimes or whatever. We tend, we relate, yeah. you know, and we can, we can understand, we're both human and we both have these feelings and we tend to, there, there's an opportunity to really kind of connect in that way. Connection. Yeah. So I think, you know. <laughs> I just love it so much. I'm going to keep doing that. This is not meant to be a roadmap for how to get there, but I think it is showing, you know, the the complexity and mm-hmm. the challenge, but also some of the fruit of, of having these conversations and where I think a lot of the work is. And, and maybe a little bit of, a, you know, here's what can happen and here's where it can go and here's why it might be worth it. Yeah. And I, I want to emphasize again here because I think I hear what we're saying and I know that there's a part of me that's like, oh, hell yeah, that's exactly what everyone needs to do. And you just need to do it all the time, you know, like there's just and no, because again, you don't want to do this with people who are not interested in putting in the same amount of efforts as you. Like this is this is a two way street. These kind of conversations are hard, and both people takes a lot of energy. Yeah, and both people have to be willing to participate, and also you have to to like uh, identify will the energy that I expand in to do have that conversation will it be worth it? If this is a spouse or your parents or your sister or your children or someone you have to live with or someone you have to live with I'd say yeah for damn sure if this is your mailman nah or if this is like this this woman you you see at book club every so often nah yeah, probably maybe still not go to book club. yeah just you know? maybe find another book or start or your own if it's that big of a problem right yeah, yeah, otherwise yeah. And so I think what you're pointing at is discernment is yes. important here because we all have a certain, we all have limited resources and yeah. we can't do this with everyone. We're not like, there's a limit to how many relationships we can have. And this is having a relationship, yeah. right? This is the hard work of having a relationship. There's something else you said um, that I think is worth pointing out. It's like, this is what everyone else should do. Yeah. Well, no, this is what you should do. <laughs> Start your own. Yeah. Start your own. Yeah. 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 Ye
starts with you. It starts and, and with us. And there's even kind of a catch there because I'm saying you. I know. It's it, what it, we should it do. It starts that's, with that's all of single one of, uh, like, us. If it you think there's us. there should be more of this, then that is your invitation to bring more of it. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if you think... Well, I wish my I wish my friend would do that. I was like, well, go go approach your friend and try to try to do do that and lead by example on this stuff. It's hard. And I think what you were saying earlier, like it doesn't doesn't get easier, but I get braver. So it's like even in the businesses because you've really like hammered this notion in for me, which is where there's the most resistance and the most wanting to suppress the issue. That's where you need to go. It doesn't get easier. Like, it doesn't... It, it, I don't want to do it. Like, there's a part of me that keeps wanting, like, can the issue just resolve itself? And the thing is, there is so much more to gain by going into it. And then you you not only create more potential connection and creativity in your life and in that relationship, but you also create more bravery and strength in yourself to have these kind of conversations and lead the way for other people who might not know how to have these conversations but want to have them your skillfulness in the world increases yes and and then more is available to you and yeah i i I totally agree with that these are conversations that are always they tend to be difficult to have but they're rewarding and it takes a you know if you're new to this it takes a leap of faith in the beginning because you it does take a bit of a track record to realize, oh, yeah, they are rewarding. Oh, yeah, these things are really worth it, even yeah. though every time it feels like I don't want to do this, yes. it's actually better to do it. And, and it can take models, other people doing it. And, and we can also be that model for other people. I think there's one other, you know, kind of poll. There's two, two other polls we've kind of noticed that around these conversations that are Worth being aware of, mm-hmm. again, which is, I tend to notice that with the COVID conversation, and perhaps you you have two, listener, when we're talking about polls, right? So, again, kind of a spectrum, and with one at the far end being the opposite of the other, mm-hmm. but in another funky way being the same. Yeah. And in this case, it's the the side that tends to be more identified with the left of, of like, let's not go out of our house, right? Let's yeah. lock down or whatever. Yeah. But the, the real extreme, and I'm not, I, I'm not attaching this to a party or anything, but I, I think the logical extreme of that is let's not do anything until this is over, mm-hmm. right? Like whether it's just bunk, bunker down. Just pause everything. Yeah, and, and, and nothing's worth doing while there's this risk out there, yeah. right? Like that's the extreme. I'm not saying anyone, very many people actually hold that, but I think that's where it, yeah. can, it can go. And On the scale of yeah, this yeah. to this. And on the other side, there's the extreme of there's nothing going on and we can carry on with our lives as before. There's no threat at all. Mm-hmm. There, nothing's changed, yeah. right? Nothing, nothing's yeah. changed. I think that might be the best way to express it. Yes. And that's also an extreme. And the way they're the same, or the way I'd suggest that they're the same, it, or the, the way they're both suspect to me, let's put it that way, is that both those extremes, if you get far enough on the, both sides, they both claim to know yeah and that's what i have that that i think is a red flag because we all of us the whole entire world have been thrust into a place of unknown territory Mm -hmm. this is new for everybody if there's one thing we can agree on i feel like is that we don't know 
Yeah. Right? Like, that should be our starting point, our consensus. It's yeah. like, we don't know what's going on. We we have not figured this COVID thing out. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, there's there's a lot of ramifications. It's affecting all sorts of um, uh, parts of life. And, and we don't know. We're navigating this. We're trying to do our best to sort it out, right? Mm-hmm. And that requires facing the problem in order to do that, to start sorting it out and, and changing the known in, or unknown into the known, right? And there's a major threat on both sides, regardless which one you fall on, or which, if you go far enough on one side, which is that they both claim to know, which means they don't, there isn't anything not to know. Yeah. That they already, they already know how to deal with this. And that, I think, is dangerous, especially in such an unknown situation. Yeah. And, and for me, and I know for you too, we're trying to navigate that middle way in between these two poles that are so tempting to go down. And totally. I think we all have our attempt. We're all more inclined toward one or the other. Right. But I think if you, if I look inside of myself, I know that one's more tempting to me yeah. than the other. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So we're inclined to that, but I think what you and I want to do, and this is no different than the rest of our life, I think, which is that we're always kind of in between two poles yeah. in and multiple poles right and we always have to hold the reality that there are poles that are extremely um appealing and and feel like because hell it's tiring to go through life trying to constantly ask yourself if you're making the right choice if you're having enough discernment trying to fight off confusion what trying to missing? find yeah trying to constantly like clear the confusion of going through life as like a, a journeyer of the unknown. Like it's just a constant, like having to blow out the fog. And man, sometimes I see these beacons. I see this like person on top of the hill saying like, I know. COVID's not a thing. I know. Look at all these papers with numbers on them. I tr- trust me. I just want to be like, that guy, it looks well lit up there. Can I, <laughs> that looks great. That Can would, we go it there? Feel good. It would it feel, feel great good. to be there. And, <laughs> but I know it's not the truth. And that's the issue is I don't want to be, I, I, I don't want to fall prey to those who claim they know when no one, like when we're all dealing with the unknown. I think we're, we're, we're holding uncertainty, right? And yeah. there's, there's certain paradoxes we're holding around this too. And we're trying to navigate it. And, and it's dangerous for our ability to deal with what is with the current situation and all its ramifications, yeah. not just not just COVID, but everything that comes from it. By by falling into one of those sides that knows and doesn't need to take any other perspective or consider anything, it's 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 a uh, it, it can be really dangerous. And I think, and this is why I think we're pat, like we wanted to have this conversation today is because. This is like no. This is like every other area of our life, at least how we would like to live it, or what we strive for. I'm not yes. saying we hit it all the yeah. time. We sure as hell don't. But is trying to find that middle path and hold the tension of opposites, and 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 hold the uncertainties that come with that, and try to try to work it out, try to try to face it and deal with it um, and- without falling into these traps, like like a almost like. If you're going bowling, right? Like there's a gutter on both sides yeah. and you don't want to go too far left. You don't want to go too far right. You know, you're, you're trying to go down the middle yeah. to, to get that strike. And, and something else that, that just came up is, again, connection, obviously, feeler. 
that's the other appealing thing about these two. Like I see kind of like walking in the fog and in the darkness and these two mountains with someone on the top saying like, I know it's, it's, this is the answer. What's so appealing too, is that there's someone there and there are usually other people behind that person. And it's like populated. And there's a group of people who associate with that ideology and that way of thinking. And so I don't have to do the hard work of trying to have difficult conversations with people to see how I can relate to them. Exactly. I can just go there and there's already a community that believes everything I believe. How convenient. Someone to think for you. Yes. And I think that's why what we're really talking about here is the way of the individual, the way of the hero in mythology, right? Mm. Uh, of figuring this out for ourselves and not falling prey to incomplete ideologies or to groupthink or, or just to not figuring it out for ourselves, right? To deferring that to someone else, which is always dangerous. I'll end this conversation with this. Or dedication to uh, to uh, having conversations that help further discernment rather than confusion is uh, such that we already recorded that conversation once before and it was a total fail. And we we tried again. And it, it, it those are not easy conversations to record in between, like just between the two of us. They're hard and we never know if it's going to work or not. And I think I just, I want to encourage you out there to just have these challenging conversations, like lean into it. Just trust that it's going to work out. If you choose, it, it, there's a right time, there's a right approach, and there's also who you're having the conversation with. But if you feel like there's a relationship in your life, or maybe it's just with yourself, but if you feel like you need to think harder and, and go deeper and grapple harder with some of those issues, like this is our invitation. These are opportunities for us to connect, for us to learn, and for us to grow. As always, thank you for being here and listening. Thank you, thank you. This week, I just want to say that um, if there's an extra way you can support the podcast. There's two extra ways, actually. One of them is if you're interested in some of the uh, the conversation around personality and personality type. This was the thinking, feeling, polarity, mm-hmm. and some of that stuff. My business partner, Kelly, and I actually teach a type. It's called Jungian Typology. And it's an exploration into consciousness and personality. It's and amazing. Yeah, it is. It's been, it's been really fun to do. We've gone through three. It's a live group workshop that goes over the course of about five weeks. And we've taken over 30 people through it, and it's been transformative. Um, so if that's interesting to you, we're going to lead it a couple times this year. You can reach out to us at info at thefarout.life for more information, and I will link you in. You'll also find it at our new website, uh, thewildwithin.org. Badass. The other way you can support this podcast, as you might have heard us say already, is you can buy yourself some cacao. You hear us talk about cacao all the time, and you can 
purchase your own blog and make your own cacao to listen when you listen to to listen to the podcast with us and drink cacao. It's a great replacement for coffee. Um, I actually think it's much more it's it's much more helpful and productive and uh, fosters creativity a lot more than coffee did for me. I stopped drinking coffee when I started drinking cacao about a year ago, and now I drink it pretty much every day. And it's extraordinarily nutritious. Cacao is a superfood. It's amazing. And if you order cacao, it's like a win-win-win for everyone because you get delicious cacao and you can drink it while you listen to the podcast. You are supporting the local economy down where we were living in Guatemala um, and, and supporting Keith and his workers that he employs, only local people from the area. And you're also supporting the podcast because this is we have an affiliate link and we get a little kickback and most you get a discount you also get a discount off so. the retail price and the last thing I'll say about this is not all cacao is made the same oh for sure we have tried many cacaos first off it being raw and and not processed basically just it, it makes a really big difference and uh, we actually interviewed Keith who makes our cacao uh, down while we were in Guatemala you can find that on the podcast and we'll link it in the show notes at the far out life Uh, he individually tests and selects his cacao, and they've actually done a lot of lab studies on different kinds of cacao, and it's amazing the differences, but theirs has pretty much performed consistently in being the highest by a large amount, in particularly in theobromine, which is one of the heart-expanding uh, nutrients that's in cacao. Yep. So, And we've tried a lot of cacaos ourselves, and we can attest to the fact that we love Keith's cacao. So if you're interested, you can go to keithscacao.com and use the coupon code RIPPLEOUT20US20. We'll put this information on the show notes at thefarout.life as well. Um, and you, you can also click on the link that's in the show notes and just purchase what you need to purchase and the discount will appear at the very end while you're yeah. about to check out. So. Yeah. That's that. And then the other regular ways you can support the podcast. Let's just go through them really quick. You can become a patron over Patreon.com slash the far out couple. You can share this episode with a friend, which we always appreciate. Or you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And that's also helpful. Thank you so much. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.